0: What's up, everybody? This is FTW with Ahmad Khan. I'm your host, Ahmad Khan, and joining me today on this Disqualified for Hacking edition is Rishi Elwani of the Mako Reactor.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: And later on, we'll have Hawk and Miller to talk Luminosity, signing Rocky Stoutenberg, an award-winning quadriplegic gamer. But first, PUBG Mobile. PUBG Mobile is a big deal in Asia. But leading into its Mobile Cup Open Fall Split, 11 Indian teams and 8 Baksani teams were disqualified for using illegal software. So, Rishi, how pervasive is the use of cheating software in PUBG Mobile over in India and Pakistan?
1: All right. Uh, So I wouldn't know for about Pakistan, to be honest with you, because usually Mako Reactor, and at least I only usually track the India market. But what I can say is that, yes, uh, cheating is... I mean, it's happening regularly across the board. Uh, I mean, and and it's also now because... uh, We have a situation where because of what's going on with the coronavirus, there's a lot of tournaments that have to be online only, and we've seen situations of uh, cheating ranging from smurfing all the way up to actual uh, usage of emulation uh, and emulator tech that's still being used, and there are even a couple of people using controllers as well. So all that is happening, it's just that it's not as widely uh, reported or or known of at this point in time. And uh, it's tough for the tournament organizers to actually uh, pin it down because, uh, I mean, the the APIs and the tech re- required to report this is, isn't where it should be. And uh, it's something which we are seeing not just with PUBG Mobile, but also with the local tournaments for Rainbow Six Siege and with Free Fire as well. So it's a problem across the board, and it's pretty widespread. So, in fact, so much so that uh, the, this, this recent ban, right, which we're talking about, the only reason uh, Tencent even looked into it is because one of the star players of uh, Team Solo made entity, which they're one of the best teams essentially. They they have a winning they have a great track record of winning internationally and in India. One of their players, Gatak, he raised a stink on social media and he said that, you know, somebody should look into this because this is a problem. Then only did Tencent go ahead and look into it. So that's how it even came went down. It was a push by the community to fix this more than anything else.
0: I see, I see. So I can see why that's really frustrating for players that are, you know, playing this game fairly and, you know, without cheating. I mean, how much money is on the line for for some of these tournaments?
1: We're looking at a situation like last year alone, uh, the winning teams took away 10 million rupees or what we call one crore worth of prize money through the year. So it's quite a lot of money that's riding on 10 cents tournaments because you have to understand the PMCO is 10 cents own thing. So there is, Quite a bit of money riding on it. And it's the kind of game which has the audience, right? I mean, India at this point of time is essentially, if we look at it from a pure mass perspective, and if I ignore the feature phone side of the business, that's 144 million users. If I look just at PUBG Mobile and if I look just at Free Fire Mobile, that's around 100 million people right there. And it's a huge audience and it's an audience that cares. And, you know, both Karina and Tencent have spent a lot of money. To make it a big deal, in a way, also that's also resulted in a lot of situations. I mean, how they spent the money has resulted in a lot of situations where it allows for third parties to have control because both them came in with a lot of influencer clout to the point where you know a is chosen not because he's good, but because he has a following on Instagram or has a following on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. And when you have a situation like that, if the rules or practices don't suit certain influencers or certain pro players. Sometimes they tend to raise a stink and use their powers for bad. In Team Solo Made entities case, they use their powers for good to bring attention to a problem. But more often than not, we've seen tournament organizers and publishers held at gunpoint to make sure things happen a certain way. And if they're not, the viewer counts fall tremendously. And we've seen that in the past where, you know, a tournament would get somewhere close to 60,000, 70,000 views. But then uh, the moment a certain hotshot influencer with clout doesn't like it, the views fall to 4,000, 5,000. It's a situation where a greater amount of care is needed from the publishers to not, I mean, they've basically wrestled, they've given away control and that's that's going to be really tough to get back in a market like this.
0: Right. So, I mean, in past instances in which there was cheating at esports, I mean, the most famous instance that comes to mind is the I buy power situation in Counter-Strike a few years back where the team was essentially banned permanently by Valve. I mean, what are the repercussions for these teams that are cheating?
1: I mean, so for us in India, we, the most high-profile one we've seen was with uh, also with Counter-Strike, where Optic Gaming's Forsaken was caught cheating at Zowie Land, and that led to him getting, a, I think, a five-year ban. Over here, it's a bit of a different situation because all we've seen and all we've got in terms of punishment is lifetime bans. But we don't know what Tencent means by lifetime bans in this case. There isn't too much clarity in in this point in time. And that's what, what's a little annoying here where they say lifetime bans. But what does that mean? Does it actually mean lifetime bans? How are you going to put that in a practice? So Tencent and the tournament organizers have been really clear with how this is supposed, this is going to be dealt with. And what's interesting is that uh, there were 531 Teams that are disqualified during the online qualifiers of this tournament because of cheating or using third party apps to gain an unfair advantage. And this is possible also on Android simply because so PUBG mobile runs on the Unreal Engine, right? So it's it's very and on Android it's really easy to sideload stuff. For most normal people, yeah, they they're not gonna to go to the extent of, you know, getting into developer options and sideloading stuff. But in India it's quite prevalent because well, a lot of people don't want to pay for content. So so you know, there are a lot of ways on Android specifically, for people to to get around this. And it's even reached a point where you have certain stakeholders in the ecosystem taking advantage of this. So I think a few weeks ago, I was talking to a few accessory manufacturers, and uh, they make controllers for PC. But they were like, you know, our controllers also work on, on Android, but we're not saying it because on Android they work on PUBG Mobile and we don't want to be responsible if someone's account gets banned. But yeah, people are playing that game and playing COD Mobile and playing Free Fire with our controllers. And as long as we're not saying anything, we're okay. The clean up the scene at this stage is going to be, uh, I mean, I, I don't envy uh, Tencent or Karina or Activision at this point in time.
0: Yeah, that's such a, such a fascinating kind of problem that's uh, affecting the region at the moment. And yeah, I don't know how you essentially solve it because I mean, you—I mean, if over 800 teams are being banned. I mean, why isn't that you know becoming disincentive enough for people to say, you know, I don't want to get a lifetime ban? Clearly, the pe- like nobody—well, actually, have there been instances of people who have cheated and won the championship?
1: There were situations like that, but then the only ones that have been widely reported were essentially around Counter Strike again, where uh, all of Optic Gaming's tournaments leading up to Zowie were were scrutinized at least those in India were scrutinized, and uh, they resulted in a few matches being replayed all over again. Uh, but with with PUBG Mobile, as far as I know, there hasn't been a situation where uh, anyone has been, you know, cheating and has gone all the way. But I will say a lot of it Has The reason why we haven't seen that yet is because the community for Battle Royale on mobile in India is very, very vociferous and very, very active. And it's essentially a situation where the community is playing the role of uh, ensuring there's anti-cheat. So, yeah, I mean, that's the that's the concern right there. It's essentially the community that's pulling that, that's pulling the strings in this capacity.
0: You know, the other thing that comes to mind, you know, when, you, when you're talking to these controller manufacturers, you know, using controller on a mobile game is against the rules or forbidden. And I wonder to what extent why, because, you know, on PC esports, right, they don't really care if you're, you know, using the fanciest keyboard or the crappiest keyboard or the fanciest mouse, et etc. et cetera. You know, it's kind of up to you to use the tools that are allowed. Why are external tools? not allowed in mobile eSports. I mean, couldn't anybody just connect an Xbox or a PS4 controller and you know, have the most uh, accurate and competitive gameplay possible?
1: I think a lot of it has to do with the sanctity of the sport itself, right? So there used to be a point in time early on in PUBG Mobile's uh, life where the best Indian teams, like at that when it started, one of the best Indian teams was a bunch of college kids called Terrifying Nightmares. When I had spoken to them and asked them how they got so good, their logic was we were playing against guys who were on emulator because it made us play better even though the rules are saying play with touchscreen we are playing against people who are on keyboard and mouse so we can train better while playing on touchscreen that was one use case where it worked for them and they they uh, they ended up representing India at a global level but fast forward a few years later when it comes to you know teams like team solo made entity their managers themselves their managers and team owners themselves are very clear cut that because of the way the rules are structured and because of the way we it is, we, it doesn't make sense to play against someone who's on an emulator because that's not the response time you're going to see on a tournament on LAN or a tournament online. And it's, it's reached a point where it's very well pronounced. You can tell when someone's on an emulator and when someone's not because of the response time and how fast they turn around if they're being shot from the back. So it's a situation where, from a developer standpoint, they want to make sure that everyone's on even keel. So for them, the best way to make sure everyone's on even keel is to prevent any use of third party controllers, or any controllers for that matter. And from an athlete standpoint, they're pretty happy playing along because it evens out the situation as well for them. And uh, particularly for team owners, that, that's becoming Thing because for a lot of them also when it comes to using the tech to, to train right at least those who are trying to do it honestly they all prefer playing on iOS because you know those devices run longer with less heat and less dissipation issues so while your sponsors are usually an you know, Oppo or a Vivo or a OnePlus most of the training happens on iOS devices because they're easier to you know work with.
0: Wow, yeah, that's that's pulling me into like a whole different conversation in which I want to ask, you know, why not play on OnePlus or Vivo devices that have 90 hertz refresh rates or, you know, even 120 hertz refresh rates. Um, But it's like the battery efficiency on iPhone that people prefer to practice on. Man, that's so fascinating. Rishi, thank you so much for jumping on. Definitely like to have you come back again sometime. No worries. Thank you. And now I'm joined by Hawken Miller. He's a freelance journalist, streamer, and producer for Snapchat at The Washington Post. How's it going, Hawken?
2: Good, Imad. Good to be with you.
0: So, Rocky Stoutenberg has now signed with Luminosity Gaming. This is somebody that you interviewed for an article last year for the Washington Post. First of all, has a signing like this ever been done? And if not, like, what are the impacts of this signing?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm not aware of any signing like this, especially with someone who's a quadriplegic. I think Rocky's in a great position because he's had such a great following from his skill at the game, even despite his physical disability. And I think that's really awesome and I think it's a great step forward especially for representation in the gaming and esports community because you know there's a lot of talk about you know representation as far as sex which is very important female uh, representation but you know on top of that there's also representation for the disabled community. And I think signing a deal like this with Luminosity is just an incredible step forward for that process.
0: And, you know, he's like not a small streamer by any means. You know, you go to his Twitch channel, he has 65,000 followers and probably a, a large number of subscribers. So he's definitely a large personality. And, you know, I think to kind of maybe brush away any skeptics, but it's not just that he's a good streamer, but he's actually a very good player, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I watch some of his streams, and, and I play Warzone Call of Duty quite often, and I look at what he's doing, and I'm like, I don't really have, I I can still use my arms and and everything, and I don't really have an excuse when I see him, you know, pulling off headshots from 300 meters away. It just blows my mind.
0: You know, another article you published at the Washington Post uh, relatively recently was how you explained kind of traveling around the world in a, in a wheelchair, and with Rocky now being part of Luminosity and you know, once the pandemic is over, likely being asked to go in more in-person events, is this something that's appreciably more difficult or is it that like maybe other people don't really understand that, you know, there are systems in place to really get around uh, much more easily than before?
2: Things are a lot better than they used to be, but there, I think, is still a long way to go. When I'm traveling, especially with my power wheelchair, and I know Rocky uses a power wheelchair as well as, you know, the fear of the airlines breaking in those parts. Yes, they can replace them, but if you're kind of stuck without a certain part in a different city, then that makes things a bit more complicated. And the funny thing is, there'll be a lot of places that say they are wheelchair accessible, but then they'll have a step to get in, or it'll be something like, please go up the stairs to ask someone to help you to use this lift. And obviously, you can see why that would be an issue. So those those are little things, but I'm sure you know Rocky has it nailed down. I mean, he's been um, paralyzed, I think, since 2006, so... I'm not concerned about him, but yeah, it definitely is an extra burden and an extra challenge to travel with a disability for sure.
0: You know, when it comes to a team sponsoring a player, like, we don't know the contract that was signed between Rocky and Luminosity. And, you know, usually these teams, when they sign players, you know, they offer them a salary and health insurance and other benefits and whatnot. When it comes to maybe signing somebody who is disabled, do you think that it causes pause on a team's end, knowing that, like, it might be more difficult to give them what they need?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, you know, that is, you know, the way the world works. Sometimes I think people are a little bit concerned about having someone with a disability. Like obviously they're not going to say it straight out, but there's things that you have to provide for them. Medical expenses, for example, are, are a lot higher for some of the disability, especially when we talk about travel and transportation. You have to have a vehicle that can fit a power chain and often that is more expensive than, you know, a typical Uber or something like that. So there's all these little expenses that add up to a lot, especially if someone has a disability. But you know, if they sign them, I think they're willing to work with him through whatever needs he has.
0: You know, what are some other prominent esports athletes that have disabilities that um, are really ascending? The, the The one that comes to mind is uh, I think I believe his name is Broly No Legs, who's a uh, Street Fighter player.
2: I think this is part of the problem is that I don't really know <laughs> any other big streamers that that have a disability, and so. I think this is a good step in the right direction to, to have more representation. And then there's a lot of, you know, invisible disabilities and it's kind of hard to tell, you know, sometimes, and and some people are a little bit more private about it as well. So it really depends on that person, but yeah, I really don't know that many other, you know, big streamers with disabilities, but I think this deal with luminosity is paving the way for that to be more of a an occurrence these days.
0: You know, in the show Rami on Hulu, one of the recurring characters also is in a power wheelchair, and you know, he's really funny. He's a comedian as well, and he talks about how, like, in the in Hollywood and in the writing world, because there aren't enough writers in the room writing disabled characters that often, many times, you know, the... Movie industry gets it wrong. And I guess I'm asking you, to what extent would having more prominent figures like Rocky or even FaZe Clan's Ewok, who I believe is deaf, can help educate or shed light on people with disabilities and trying to make the industry more inclusive and better.
2: Yeah, that's interesting you mentioned Ewok. I forgot that she was deaf, but that just goes to show it doesn't really matter, right? Like she is an amazing streamer and very good at Fortnite and doesn't matter whether she's deaf or blind or, or whatever it might be. So I think with Rocky specifically, this means that people with disability are going to be like, oh, like I see someone who's doing what I want to do. and Now I can do this. And I think the same applies to whatever minority community you're talking about. And I think that is an opportunity to inspire more people with disabilities to do whatever they want to do, especially with video games and start streaming and then contributing to a landscape that is more representative of that community. Proportionally, I know people with disabilities aren't the majority, obviously, but I think proportionately speaking, have them represented more. So I see as someone with disability, I see this person being successful in video games. Now I want to do this myself. And so then I add my voice into it and then someone else might see me and then, they add their voice into the conversation. So it's kind of a a compounding effect, so to speak.
0: You know, I see that Rocky is also 33 years old, which is above the median age for a professional Fortnite player. And, you know, there's this kind of narrative in esports that especially for high Twitch games that after a certain age, the mind just isn't as sharp as younger players. What do you make of his age?
2: I think with streaming, like age doesn't really matter. People are most likely going to, you. I mean, there's obviously skill involved and rocky is very skilled i'll put that out there but i think it's also just seeing how he interacts and you know seeing how he plays with the quad stick and that's something that people aren't normally used to so i think being able to see that informs people and his personality shines through and i think that's why people continue to go back to his stream and generally speaking with age obviously the competitive players you know as you get older your reaction time just slows down and that's part of life but you know there's a lot of older streamers and the tap man, he's, he's past 30. Like, he just had this huge social media frenzy over Fall Guys, and it didn't have anything to do with his reaction time at all. So, if you're trying to be the, the highest skill player, I think age definitely comes to effect. But if you're a streamer, I think your personality is, is what makes or breaks you.
0: So, you don't feel, I mean, based on your conversations with Rocky, like, you don't feel that, you know, he's gunning to be going to the Fortnite World Cup, but that he's more just wanting to stream on Twitch.
2: Well, I mean, I can't say what, what he wants to do. And if he wants to do that, that's awesome. I mean, I think he's definitely capable of competing on that level. But generally speaking for age, like it definitely plays a role, but it's not the only variable that you need to take into account.
0: Well, thank you so much for jumping on.
2: Yeah, for sure.
0: And that was FTW with Ahmad Khan. If you like the show, please rate, subscribe, and share. Full transcripts of the show and links to our Patreon can be found at ftwmod.com. To find Rishi and keep up to date on all gaming and esports news out of India, follow him at Rishi Alwani on Twitter. To keep up with Hawken and all the work he's up to, you can follow him at Hagen Miller on Twitter. If you want to follow my writing over at the New York Times, the Washington Post, and elsewhere, you can find me on Twitter at Imad. Annie Pay is our producer. If you have any questions or would like to submit a question for our Fan of the Week segment, message her at Pei underscore Annie on Twitter. Joe Domek is our outreach manager and Ron Lines is our researcher. With that, we'll catch you guys next week.